Well, as you know, we are going through this series of uh, fault lines, uh, same title of a book that Steve Deneff wrote, and talking about those moments where we come in our life and there's this fault line in our life, there's this situation in our life that causes us to really come to God and, and realize that there's something going on that we need to respond to. And we can respond to in obedience or we can respond to in, in, in uh, uh, just backing off and not really trusting what God might have in that situation. And today we're going to be looking at um, the call that God puts on our life at times. And it's not necessarily a call of full-time ministry. It could be a call that God has for you, a particular situation, a particular need that God is uh, uh, presenting to you, and and we need to, well, we have a choice to respond. Uh, Stephen F. wrote in his book about what that call looks like, and he says, a call is a defining moment, a not in the timeline of our lives, when our options become clear and our decisions harden in destiny. The call is a predicament. It's both blessing and burden. It inspires us, yet costs us dearly. And it is barrenness and beauty, violence and elegance, tension and grace. That is the call of God at times in our lives. It's that conflict that goes on. He also says, uh, Stephen F. also says, a call is a summons from God to get involved in something He is doing. At its core, the call is only a conversation God is having with us about something He is doing. So even though the call involves us, it is not really about us. It is always about the thing that God is doing. So God is on the move. God is always ready to, to move forward uh, with His will. Are we ready to move forward with Him as He as he calls us to do what he has uh, for us. Uh, there can be a reaction to that call, and there's two reactions that can happen. There are those who, who react in a way where they just thrive on those, those situations, and they come alive for the challenge. Then there are those people who, when God calls in their life, they shrink back and they cling to maybe the happiness of the past. They know what's before them. They know what God is trying to call us to, uh, call them to. But then they think it's safer. It's it's easier. Um, there's happiness here right now. We've learned in the past that it's still happy, and it can happen right now as well. And they just stay put. They stay within that fault line that God has provided in their life. Uh, Steve Deneff reminds us that a fault line occurs when we are called like Moses. Remember Moses, when he was called by God, how he reacted. But when we are called like Moses, out of our weakness and not from our strengths. That's how God works. He calls us out of our weaknesses, not necessarily our strengths. Uh, a call is usually rooted in our weaknesses and, and not, not, not always in our strengths. Uh, if if a call is based on our strengths, then we have uh, a feeling of uh, being capable, a feeling of being prepared and confident for the task ahead. If we're called on the basis of our strengths, we're optimistic about making a difference. It can happen because we are strong in this situation. You know, and God can call us within our strengths at times, but usually 
it's in our weaknesses. Uh, in our, if, if that call is based upon our strengths, then uh, we operate within our experience. We look back on what we've done before and we go, yeah, I, it happened this way and I've got experience in this area that God is calling me in. And so I'm ready to move forward because I know this will happen. I know this can happen. Uh, we use uh, our experiences. We use our, our schooling, if you will, our, our degrees, our PhDs, whatever else we've learned and be able to uh, uh, have that forward for, for what God has for us. It's kind of like David. Who doesn't say, who am I, like Moses said, but David says, who is Goliath? You know, who is this guy? And David knew that he could take care of Goliath because of what God was doing in his life and because of the strength of God. And as a result, as a result, when, when people are called upon, uh, when a call is based upon uh, of, of strengths, then these people are more prone to be shaken by their failures. They've never known failure. They've always been called in their strength. And so when failure comes, they are shaken. What do they do now? Now just consider David, right? When he was uh, shaken to his core on, in the temptation and the failure he had with Bathsheba. And so the situation comes about and that, that whole thing. And David, David was shaken to the core, shaken to the core. Now, but if we are called on, on the basis of, of our weaknesses, things are a lot different. Everything seems hard. Everything seems unfair. Uh, how difficult the situation is. The intimidation comes from within because we doubt ourselves. We, what we're able to be able to accomplish in this call. Uh, it's not from without, like the Goliaths in our lives. It's It's what's within us and, and what we think we are able to, to do. There's feelings of inadequacy when we are called, uh, when that call is based upon that weakness. And as a result, these people are not easily overwhelmed because they've been overwhelmed through this whole time and they put their trust in God thinking, well, there's nothing else I can do but trust God. And so he's the one who's going to lead me in this. And so they don't feel so overwhelmed when things kind of get out of hand. They've been there before. Uh, anyway, so most of the call that God places in our lives is based upon our weaknesses. Look at the biblical examples in, in the call that God places in people's lives. Moses, you know, I mentioned him already, and he, he's, he comes to God, that burning bush, and, and finally he says, uh, you know, here I am. I, I'm here to, to, to serve you. And But then as God reveals what he's going to be doing, taking his people out of Egypt, well then Moses, you know, who am I? His question is, who am I? That I am, am I really that person? And then God's reaction to that is just, it's classic. It, basically, who are you? Who am I, God? It's, basically answers answers the question with his own question. And Moses has to consider who is God, and God reveals himself to Moses. It's never what Moses would do for God, but what God would do through Moses. And, and anyone else who is up to the task and challenge of God's call in their life, it is not what you can do for God, but it's what God is going to do through you. 
So Moses was, here am I, and then he was like, who am I? And then at the end, you you probably recall, he, he basically gets to, to the point of saying, send somebody else. I'm not your guy. Well, God took care of that real quick. <laughs> but, you know, the call occurs gradually with, with intensifying degrees of both clarity and cost. You realize what it really is that God is calling you to, but also you realize the cost that is involved in this call. And as that call progresses in your life, it passes through stages that require you to give your consent. Stages of more intensity as it goes along. Just consider Peter, another example in the Bible, as he was called to follow Christ not just once, but more than once. The first time came in Matthew 4.19 when he was fishing with his friends, right? And the call meant that Jesus should, should be his rabbi, basically. A second time, Jesus told him to deny himself and carry his cross and to be prepared to lose his life for Christ's sake. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. That's getting intense. It's an intensity. It grows. It progresses. God's call does that. A third time, Peter was told that everyone would hate him if he followed Jesus. Well, that sounds great. And so, again, progression of intensity in this call. And a fourth time, Jesus told Peter um, to follow, and that meaning the manner in which he would die. So, all of these things coming together, seeing how the, the, the call of God can intensify as it progresses along. Then there are the disciples who were first called by Jesus, and we're going to land here today in this portion of Scripture of Luke chapter 5, the first 11 verses. And uh, we're going to see the example through the disciples being called by Jesus, the first disciples, actually. Uh, follow along with me in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowded around him uh, and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now when he had finished pre uh, speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So let me share with you uh, from this portion of scripture here that we just read through, three things about the Lord's call that we need to consider and, and recognize. Three things. First of all, the Lord may call us to do what seems impossible. 
the Lord may call us to do what seems to be impossible. Look at what the Lord commanded here in verse 4 of Luke 5. He commanded Simon to enter into deep water and drop the nets for a catch of fish. Now, the four fishermen may have considered it a waste of time to obey Jesus' command. After all, Jesus wasn't a fisherman. They were, and, uh, and they had worked all night, very hard, without catching any fish. And they were at the end of themselves. They were tired. They knew there were no fish out there to be caught any more than what they had. You know, often when we are at the end of ourselves, we are at the beginning of a new opportunity to experience the Lord's power. His, his adequacy can fill the void caused by our inadequacy. He delights to grant success when we have experienced failure. <laughs> so if you've experienced failure, good news, God loves, loves to come right alongside and grant that success in our lives. And then in verse 5 here, we see how the fishermen responded to what the Lord commanded. They, they did what the Lord, Lord told them to do. Now, perhaps maybe reluctantly and without expecting many results, but they obeyed. It reminds me of the movie, and I'm, I'm up for Christmas movies now here pretty soon. It's getting close. I'm, I'm ready for some good stuff here uh, after what 2020 has thrown at us. But the, the movie Miracle on 34th Street, you remember that movie you know, you know, when a nice old man who claims to be Santa Claus is institutionalized as insane? A young lawyer decides to defend him by arguing in court that he is actually the real thing, the real Santa Claus. Well, Susan, the little girl in that movie, asks for a new house toward in, in the movie. And, and Chris Kringle is looking at that picture of the house that that little girl gives him. And she says, I want this new house for my mommy and me because we are in this apartment. It's small. And if you're really Santa Claus, you will you will get it done. And so um, he takes the paper, he takes the picture of that, that, uh, 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 that picture of that house there. He takes that page and puts it in his coat and he says he'll do what he can. Anyway, so after the group gathers, after the victory uh, at court about uh, proving that there is a San this, this guy is Santa Claus, they come back to uh, the apartment and they are celebrating and, and, uh, the Christmas tree's up, uh, you know, it's after, it's during Christmas time, or Christmas day, actually. And uh, uh, Susan uh, doesn't seem to get her Christmas wish. She's looking all around the Christmas tree and everything else, and she starts to doubt this Chris to be actually Santa Claus. But her mom tells her that she must just believe in, in Mr. Kringle and keep right on doing it. You must have faith in him. And Susan says, yeah, okay, you mean like it's, it's if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And her mom says, yes, it's that, that way. And so at the end of the party, Chris comes over to uh, the lawyer and Susan's mother and says, you might want to take this route back home. This, it's a, it, you'll avoid traffic and it's nice and scenic. And so uh, they go, okay. So they get in the car and they head on back. They're try trying to follow the directions. And Susan's in the back of, the, of the, uh, the car there in the back seat. And she's going, I believe, I believe, I believe. It's silly, but I believe. And it, it's a hilarious scene. And they do come across the house 
that Susan asks for from Chris Kringle, which provides a very interesting ending to the movie. And I didn't give it away, okay? It, it's, it, you'll be able to still watch it and enjoy it. But just like Susan in that back seat, you know, I believe, I believe, she's trying to obey kind of reluctantly, like as, as well as those disciples, reluctantly going, okay, you know, we fished, um, we'll believe because, you know, you, I guess you know what you're doing. And it's, it's important to understand that our, our obedience, our obedience is crucial. It's a crucial factor in the Lord's call. If we don't obey, if we don't set forth to, to, to be obedient to what God has called us to, then it's all over. It, it, it might as well be done. But it's so crucial to be obedient when, when the Lord calls us. And then in verse 6 and 7, we see here a second thing about the Lord's call. The Lord, Lord's call is His enabling. The Lord's call is His enabling. In verse 6, He grants success. The fishermen had caught nothing all night. They brought in their boats, but they were ready to call it quits. Their prior experience and expertise had failed them, and so they, they pretty much felt like failures. But the Lord turned their failure into success. As, you, as we just read there in, in, in that scripture. And then in verse 7, he grants not only success, but abundant success. He, he not only did those, those nets begin to break, but also the fishermen's boats were so loaded with fish that they began to sink. And if, you know, if we respond in obedience to what the Lord calls us to do, remember, it's crucial in his call that we obey we will be successful. Obedience is the key. Success may not conform to the world's definition of what success is. If you think, well, I'll be successful like rich and everything else. No, not necessarily. Success in his eyes are much different. It will conform to what God considers success. And the success will be eternal. As scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 and 25 says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. That success is eternal. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. The success is eternal. Uh, so the Lord's call is his enabling. And then in verses, five, or in verses 8 through 11, we see that the Lord's call magnifies his grace. The Lord's call magnifies his grace. Uh, in verses 8 and 9, Peter confessed his, his sinfulness before God, uh, before Jesus. And the superabundant catch of fish showed Peter and the other men that Jesus was far more than just a man. He was God in flesh. And the event also showed them how far below Jesus' perfection uh, they had fallen. So Peter confessed his sinfulness and urged the Lord to depart from him right there and right then. It magnifies God's grace in this situation, though. Not only magnifies uh, uh, the sinfulness in our lives, but really it magnifies, magnifies God's grace. In verses 10 through 11, the Lord commissioned Peter and the other fishermen 
in in this ministry that God had for them. Jesus commanded the four fishermen to follow him. Come follow me. And he promised they would become fishers of men instead of just fishermen. And the Lord calls only those sinners to know him and to serve him. And we need to realize that in our lives as well. And the called and commissioned fishermen left the greatest business opportunity of their careers, a boatload of fish (laughs) that was sinking those boats, and followed Jesus. They left that all behind and followed Jesus. I mean, they could have said, hey, Jesus, come our way. Tomorrow morning, we're going to be here on on the beach, and we need you to do that thing again so we can get all this fish. They didn't look that direction, but they looked to the direction of just following him. The Lord's call is more valuable than all the wealth or fame that earth can offer us. And we need to realize that, that his call in our lives is the most valuable thing. And, and Stephen F., in his book, uh, identified three stages to the Lord's call. And maybe you find yourself in one of these stages. One of the stages is the call of salvation. That's, that's to follow Jesus. Maybe you're there. And the, the action required from us is repentance. Repentance, and that's all that's required, is that change in the direction and the course of our lives, where we're headed to where God wants us to be headed. And, and it's that 180-degree turn, and that's what, that's what repentance is about, taking that 100-degree turn from what we've been doing to what God has for us and towards him. It's a change of direction, which means a change in our values. It's a change of course, which means it's a change in our, in our way of life. We no longer are doing those things that we've done before. We're, we no longer value those things that we've done before, that we value before. We value what God values. We value what Jesus values. We go the direction that Jesus is going. So it's a change. To follow Jesus, that call of salvation. Then there's another stage to the call, is the call to simplicity, or a call of a single focus. And the and the action required here is a reorientation, a reorientation of our lives around a single focus. Now, so after the call to follow Jesus, there's always the call to enlist. So you want to follow Jesus? Okay, here's what you need to be doing. Here's the here's what needs to happen. And, then, and again, the disciples are a great example of this. Fishing from their father's boat. Then Jesus comes and says, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And so they do so. Then there's this single focus of, of uh, being fishers of men, going after uh, uh, God's call in that way. And so... There's that simplicity in a person's life, that single focus. It doesn't always change our occupation. We need to keep that in mind. It doesn't always change our occupation, but it will always change our preoccupation. <laughs> uh, that's what Stephen F. talks about in his book as well. That, that occupation might stay the same, but your preoccupation will change what you preoccupy yourself with. And if, you know, if we keep our same jobs, we do it for one reason. 
As scripture says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So our focus is singular in this. And then there's a third stage uh, in, this, in, call, in the call that uh, God would have on our lives. The call to a mission. It's a summon, it, we're summoned to one particular cause and assigned a specific task. Before that, it was a single focus of following Jesus and doing what he has for us. And then this third stage is that call to a mission. It may require us to change our career. We may have to forsake what we've gone through college for and maybe those all those years of, of, of career to come and follow Jesus. I know there have been pastors in our conference that have done that, uh, that in, in um, I guess you can call it midlife crisis, but around that time where maybe they should be thinking about retirement, they're looking at a change in occupation because God has called them to a specific task, uh, a, specific, a specific cause. Um, and that call to a specific task, it, were, it were, might require an incredible sacrifice. And so that comes along. And there, there is a beginning and there's an end to it where God calls you the, to that specific task. You know, and I don't know where you're at in these different stages of, of a call in, in your life as far as God calling you. But remember, all along the way, the key to it all is obedience. <laughs> obedience. You know, what started out as a desperate situation for the fishing partners there in, in Luke chapter 5 became an opportunity to experience the Lord's call. And when we are at our lowest point, we may find the Lord beckoning us to a, a high calling. And how will we resp respond? How will we respond to the Lord's call on our lives? You know, maybe you've been confronted by God's call upon your life. He has called you into something more and something new, but maybe you didn't see how you were going to pull it off, and so you backed away to the only happiness you have ever known. And so then you have been living on this fault line, the fault line of a call. God has placed it there, and you're not sure what to do. It's uneven ground and not quite certain. You could go back to what you're comfortable with, or you can move forward, but you're on this fault line. And, and it's, it's moving, that fault line of a call. And if you're there, if you're that moment and you're not quite sure how to respond, consider one of three possible responses. Uh, and and it, all, it all deals with trusting God in this fault line. One response, maybe you need to choose. You just need to choose. Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God instead of continuing on with the Egyptians. Choosing is a period of intense anxiety, but it usually comes down to a defining moment where you, where you decide to drop your net and follow Jesus, follow along. What is it that you need to drop from your life and choose to follow? Maybe you need to choose. Maybe you need to consider the response to leave to leave. Um, Abram, consider him in the Bible. He left what was so familiar to him in his hometown there to go where God led him. And there was no destination. There was just go. And Abram left. <laughs> he, 
he obeyed. You know, many have, have chosen, like Moses, you choose to follow Jesus. But very few have left, <laughs> have actually left. A departure from what we, what we once considered normal for the purpose of risking a new kind of happiness lays before us. Uh, when we leave, you know, we don't look back. It's behind us. What is before us is what, it, it, what our attention needs to be on. We step into the unknown. You know, it, it can be scary. But you know what? In, in that unknown is the God who is known. And we need to cling to him. We may be tempted to bring as much stuff with us from our former life, <laughs> from our past. But it needs to be left back there. Maybe you were called, but you still haven't left. You're living on that fault line there. And you're wondering, can God be trusted? Will he provide? Is the life you are being called to really better than the one you would leave behind? All these questions come flooding in your mind about that. Maybe you need to leave. Maybe you need to just do that in, in, in following Jesus. Maybe a, a third response is that you need to persevere. And you chose to obey God's call. You've left. You've followed and, and you're not looking back. No, no turning back, following Jesus. But you know, that was some time ago. That call in your life was a while ago. And, and you know, you've become restless a little bit. You know, what is God doing? You know, I thought I've, I've moved forward here in this call. Is this what's actually need to be happening? And you maybe might find that you've, you look for that call in another place. Where, whereas God has you in this moment right now. You know, sometimes the call is to the actual place we're trying to avoid. And like our Ninevehs, right? Like Jonah. We think we, we know we won't succeed in this situation, so we find a place where we can succeed. We kind of play God in our, in our lives, where we need to just allow God to do what he's doing. You know, Moses, he, he was called to take people out of Egypt, but, you know, it took a while. 40, 40 years upon 40 years, it was a while for him to learn the lesson. But then again, the, the questions come flooding in our minds. Can God be trusted? Can he be trusted with my happiness? I'm happy right now, but he wants to change things up. And here I am, not sure if I'm going to enjoy this. Is the life I'm called into better than the one I'm leaving behind? It's always a kind of a, a temptation to look back and think, oh, that was much better back there, back in Egypt, right? Where we had all the food we could eat and everything. But, you know, you also have the slavery going on back there in Egypt. But it's, all, it's a temptation to look back and ask, is, it, am I, is the life I'm called into better than the one I'm leaving behind? I can, I can attest to that, those feelings. When God called us to leave Labish Center to come to Happy Valley to be to, to be in a, a senior pastor position, you know all of senior pastoring for me uh, has been great as far as you know the calling and the meeting with people, running the businesses and, and business items and, and and committees and stuff like that and and trying to give leadership in that way. The one thing, the one thing that has always been that weakness in my life and wondering, 
as God called me into this position as, as senior pastor at Happy Valley Evangelical Church, the one thing that, that has always just been that thorn in my side has been preaching. That has been the weakness in my life. And I'm thinking, God, are you you got the right person here. Because I know pastoring is not just you know, only calling on people and, and being with them and helping them and coming alongside them. It's also bringing God's Word each Sunday and preaching it. Lord, do you have the right person? And out of my weakness, God has called me. And I've learned that through this weakness, um, God can be strong. <laughs> and if God can be strong in this, then I am strong as I continue to rely upon Him. And you know, and I, I don't feel overwhelmed in that way, but I just continue to trust in Him. That He knows what He's doing. That on these Sundays when we come together and you come to hear from God and His Word and His message through me, that uh, God knows what He's doing. So, you know, the weakness of preaching in my life, God can use that as He calls and calls, calls me through into this pastorate. God is going to call you through your weakness. And you know what? You need to follow along and obey and realize he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Let me close with, with the words that Stephen Neff has in his book, Fault Lines. He says, if God has put a fire inside you, if he's asked you to join him in some cause, then leave what comfort you have for whatever he has called you to do. Don't argue. Don't negotiate. Don't think about how inadequate you are or about how little you have to offer. And don't think that it is too late. It's never too late. Those who are happiest are those who have taken the greatest risks. They stepped out into a place that was uncharted and unsafe. They didn't know how it would end. They had nothing to do with the afterword of, of their obedience. They only knew what they were supposed to do next. So whatever God has told you to do, say yes. Venture into the unknown, where it, is, where it is blessing and burden, tension and grace. For there you will find the most troubling and beautiful place on earth in God's call. So the main question that remains for us today, can God really be trusted with your happiness as he calls you? Can God really be trusted in this situation? And you know what? That is a question that only you are able to answer in light of what God has done for you, in light of where he has you. But you know, it's a question that we all need to answer, and we all need to realize that God can be trusted. <laughs> God can be trusted. Anyway. Let me pray with you guys, and I, I trust that whatever you are going through, whatever God has called you to, in the weakness in your life, that God is going to provide. God is going to provide. Let me pray with you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for helping us realize that in the call that you give us, Lord, that there is some important things along the way that you'll provide, but also, too, Lord, that we need to act in obedience and realize you know what you're doing. You, you, for goodness sake, you called this youth pastor to be a pastor at a church that had really, in his mind, no business to be a pastor and preaching. 
But Lord, you placed me there in Happy Valley, and you know what you're doing. And in the weakness of my preaching, you've become strong, and your strength strengthens me, and I become strong in it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help in the foolishness of preaching, in the weakness that I have there in, in the ministry, in the pastoral ministry, that you will use us, use that to strengthen and, and to help us in our walk with you. And Lord, I pray that when you call us, you help us to realize that you will enable us in that call as well and bring us great success, just like you did with the disciples as you called them. So Lord, help us to be obedient to your call, whatever you have for us, and realize you will never forsake us and never leave us. You will walk that path with us every step of the way. And Lord, thank you for that. So I pray, Lord, that you would remind us of those things, remind us as well, too, um, that you are a God that wants the best for us. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you for that, and help us, Lord, to meet that challenge of your call in our life, to say yes and to walk in obedience. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time together to realize what we need to do as you call us. In your name we pray. Amen.